How's everybody doing today? Good, good, good. If you're right there, you don't have to stand up, but just lift up your hands. The Bible says to lift up hands without wrath or doubting. Heavenly Father, we lift up our hands to you to heaven, Lord, as a sign of surrender and as a sign of openness. Lord, I thank you for speaking to us today. I thank you for ministering to us today. Lord, as, as we, the Bible says that as they ministered to you, the Lord spoke. Lord, I thank you for speaking today. Lord, we're open to hear from you. Our hearts and minds are open. God, I thank you for using my voice today, using my words. The message you put on my heart, I ask you to help me deliver it the way you would have it delivered. And we ask all this, praise you for all this, and in in faith, receive all this. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. amen. Well, as I said, this is faith, or follow, or faith, this is follow part Three. We've been in a season called Follow, talking about the guide on the inside. One of the greatest things that we have as believers is we're not alone on this earth. We're, we're not alone on this earth. You know, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you, you, you don't, it's not just one decision you make and then you go through life and, and you, you just kind of wonder, man, what's my life going to be like until one day I die and then I go to heaven? And you just kind of meander through life or sort of try to make it through life and, man, be as good as I can be or do, as, do whatever I can do. And, and one day I'll, I'll die, I'll pass, I'll pass away, and, and I just, I, I, I believe if I, you know, if I do good, I'll make it to heaven. That's not the life that God called you to live. And John 10.10 10 tells us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to bring us life. Everybody say life. And life more abundantly. Everybody say abundant life. He came to give you eternal life, but also give you an abundant life here on earth. God is for you having uh, your needs met. In Philippians 4.19, it says uh, that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He has everything that you need, and he wants to get it to you. He actually cares about, the Bible says he knows every hair on your head. He knows every thought that you have. God cares about you. Why then do we have, have to, you know, go through life and, and not do well? Well, you don't have to. You, you actually don't have to. I, I believe that, now, let me clarify. I'm not trying to, you know, there, there are preachers out there who preach a message that you'll, you'll never, you know, you'll never face anything. But the Bible's clear that the righteous will face affliction, all right? But the Bible also, you know, like, like the same, those same preachers, or excuse me, the different preachers that also, they'll, they'll preach only about affliction, that your life is just H-E-double-L, your whole life, and that's it. Uh, you know, there's like these days, like two extremes. You got this one extreme and this other extreme. Well, the extreme that, that preaches your life is all the afflictions. They don't, they don't quote the second half of that verse. And the second half of that verse says that God will deliver us from all of the afflictions. So yes, we have afflictions, but God is a deliverer. The Bible also describes God as a safe refuge that, he can, that we can run into, we can run to, that he'll protect us. Um, the, the, the many names of God, if you were to study all the names of God and go through the Old Testament and see all the different names they use to describe God, there are names like protector, El Shaddai, which means uh, uh, more than enough. He, he, he's a provider of more than enough. He, he, he doesn't just have just enough. He has everything we need and more than that. The, these, 
aspects of God that we talk about often are, are, are not just hopes and dreams. That you can literally tap into the guide on the inside, the Holy Spirit who lives in you, and allow him to lead you and direct you into what the Bible says is all truth. I don't have this in my notes, but that's in John, in the book of John. I want you to turn over to the book of John, and we're going uh, to just read that verse. I just want to, I, I want to just, before we get into it today, it's John 16, 13. John chapter 16, verse 13. And, you know, I think it'd be good that we set this up correctly. And I know this is part three, but every week we have people who, who um, join us. And I, 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 you can go back and you can listen to part one and part two. I would encourage you to do that. But I want to, to make sure before I go deeper today that you have an understanding of some important aspects. Look at this in verse 13. John chapter 16, verse 13. However, when he, everybody say, the Holy Spirit is a he. You know, he's a person. This is one of the scriptures that gives us support that the Holy Spirit is not just a, um, a ghost. I know some, we, we call him the Holy Ghost, but if you'll notice, I try to be particular in calling him the Holy Spirit and not just the Holy Ghost. Nothing wrong with saying the Holy Ghost. I'm not anti-Holy Ghost, okay? Uh, what I'm saying is, is that I think in modern vernacular, it's a little bit more clear, a little more clear picture that we say the Holy Spirit and that it's a he. It's not it. He's a he. He's a he. <laughs> it, you can say it this way. We serve God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. They're, they're, they're all together God. When he, the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Everybody say all truth. This is Jesus talking. Jesus is outlining for us when the Holy Spirit comes, what is his purpose? What is he going to do? And why is he coming? And so Jesus tells them this. Then a few, you know, a, a period of time later, he dies. He, he's he's uh, uh, on the third day. He's resurrected from the dead. He raises himself from the dead or God raised him from the dead. I should say it that way. God raised him from the dead. When God raised him from the dead, he visited people. And one of the people, one of the group of individuals that he met he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. That's the King James. Ye. Receive. Who, who says ye? Good. Okay. Just making sure we've got all normal people in here. If you want to weird somebody out this week, <laughs> just, just, you know, when you're at work, you're like by the water cooler or whatever. And so you just say something like, how are ye doing today? And just see how that goes over. Just, you know, see what kind of reaction you get. But act really normal when you do it. We don't, we don't say that, but that's what the King James Version says. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Jesus was letting them know, now that I've died, now that I rose from the dead, you have this guide on the inside. So let's finish this verse. Ready? Put it back up there. John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now notice this. This is very important for our subject matter today. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. See, we, we say things like this all the time. I, as, as I've become a pastor, I've noticed these phrases that people pick up 
and people say that I don't think we realize what we're saying. I just don't think we realize what we're saying. I've, I've tried to be very careful in noticing what I say and instructing others in particular ways and obviously preaching and teaching in a certain, certain way. You'll notice I, I've, I've been working to even correct things that I say because it, it matters what we say. Proverbs tells us life and death are in the power of your tongue. James tells us that this little tongue is like a rudder that steers the ship of your life. Your tongue and what you do with it matters. What you say matters. And so people will say things like, like something will happen in their life. And it won't go the way they had hoped or planned or dreamed. And they'll say things like, well, God must have had different plans. God must have had a different, God must have had a different plan. But, but I have a hard time wrapping my head around that statement because if I read this scripture, it says that he will guide me into all truth, that he will not say anything that's not from the Father, and that he'll tell me things to come so he knows what's ahead, even though I may not, he does. And if you couple that with John 10, 10, it says that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly, and that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy that if I go through something bad in my life, I cannot give credit to God for it, and I cannot say that he had some other plan. It's that I missed it. Now, that's tough. Man, I hit y'all with that in the first eight minutes. Boom, just went right in for it, didn't I? Right for the jugular. Now, listen, I mean, that's, that's what we have to, you have to be big. You know, one of the things that I'm teaching Kaylee at five years old is that it's, it's good to admit when you're wrong. I'm going to just, you can take that verse down for a second. I feel a little bit of a parent mini-sermon coming. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. But, but I mean, seriously, that's one of the things I've been, I've been, not me, my wife and I, we've been teaching her. You need, no, Kaylee, that's not true. And we'll correct her and say, now, you had an opportunity to do such and such and you didn't do it. No, that's not true, Kaylee. And we, we've been really working with her on that, on owning, no, you made a decision, like the, um, the other day, she wanted, um, we went to the store to get something for school. She had to have headphones for school, which is pretty cool now. They've got these Chromebooks and these, these laptops and stuff. At five years old, she's using a laptop at school. And, and I guess because they play videos, they don't want all the, all the Chromebooks playing out loud in the classroom. And so they have to have headphones. So we went to get her headphones. Well, we chose to go to a wonderful store that has everything displayed nicely on shelves, right in their grasp, and so all three of our kids are running rampant around five, five and below, grabbing everything, and they grab something, they run to us, Daddy, Daddy, can we have this? And I'm determined not to tell my kids no, because the answer is, yes, you can have that, but not today. Yes, we are able to buy that, right? I don't want to, I don't want to teach them, no, we, you can't have that. Actually, you can have that, just not today. And so in the middle of the store, I'm getting fresh. I'm really getting frustrated about this because my wife's trying to look for stuff for the church or, and we're all just kind of, we're trying to look around. We've already got the headphones and this has just turned into a, a crazy house of our kids. You know, everything they can grab, they're coming. Can we have this? Can we have this? And so finally I said, Kaylee, because we started to give her little responsibilities, but we haven't really rewarded her with anything I think tangible yet up to, up to this point, other than like we would use, you know, okay, well, you can watch a show if you do this, like that, or, or you can, you know, whatever it is you wanted to do. Sometimes I'll use chocolate chip cookies. It works. Hey, if you want a cookie, do this. 
And so we've started to give her responsibilities, but we haven't exchanged money for it yet. And so I, I sat down or, or kneeled down in five and below and said, hey, this little thing you want, and I took a picture of my phone and I said, you, you're not able to get this today, but you know how daddy's asked you to do this and mommy's asked you to do this and I went through the things we've asked her to do. She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, when you do those things, we'll give you money in exchange for you doing them. All right? And you can earn this thing. You can earn enough money to pay for this thing. What well, we're teaching her at five years old to own the decision. Now, what, what I'm teaching her, as you already know, if you don't do said tasks, you don't get the money, therefore you don't get the item. But you have an opportunity to do the tasks, receive the money, and get the item. Well, what happened? She got motivated, man. She got motivated. She started coming up with stuff to do. Hey, Daddy, remember that time we played the sock game? And I was like, what? Like, this is not one of the chores, right? This is like came out of the blue. But we were doing laundry, and, and so my wife was doing laundry, and we were, we were, we were, you know, it was laundry day at the house. And so laundry's everywhere. We're trying to do laundry. And um, my wife's going to love that statement. She's like, you just told everybody laundry was everywhere. What does that mean? Okay, let me clarify. Laundry was in all the appropriate locations in our home. But it was, it was laundry day. And so Kaylee comes up, Daddy, do you remember when we played the sock game? And I remembered. Well, the sock game was we, and I forget what, what we used as motivation that day, but it was several months ago, and her and Madison sat down, and they matched all of their socks. And we made it a game. And I, I think we gave them M&Ms or something like that, but they got an M&M for each pair of socks that they matched. Something simple like that. Well, now she doesn't want M&Ms. The M&Ms are no longer a motivating factor to play the sock game. Daddy, if I match socks, can I get money for the such and such? And I thought, and I'm looking over, you know, I mean, I'm doing stuff around the house. Natalie's doing stuff around the house. I'm thinking, yeah, sure. She's coming up with stuff. She's coming up with items. She's coming up with things. She's trying to take ownership of her decisions at five years old. Now, I'm saying all this, and hopefully by this time, you've gotten the picture that it's good to take ownership of our decisions. And that includes, did I take time to actually ask God what I should do before I made that decision? We're, taking, we're, we're making a decision right now about Josh and childcare. Josh is, you know, a little bit busier than the girls. And, and uh, I've, been, I've been fortunate. I've been able to keep the girls with me. And do, we did like a half-day school thing. It's worked out pretty good. I'm like, man, Josh is a handful. He's good. And he's a good kid, but he's all boy. And because he's all boy, I don't want to squash the boy nature, right? I want him to be boy. But, man, I, 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 you know, dude, we need some help. So we're trying to figure this thing out. And so, um, you know, we don't want to put him in the wrong place. You know, when you're talking, I mean, because we, we know the little preschool we use right now, but it's only half day. It, it, what, what does it look like for us to, to make that change? I, as much as I want, and I told somebody this the other day, I said, as much as I want him to have full, you know, full-time care for me to be kid-free and to be able to just focus on work and do what I need to do, as much as I want that, I don't want him in the wrong place with the wrong teacher at the wrong place where the, with, with the wrong kids that are influencing him or whatever it may be. I, I don't want that. Well, we've really taken the time. I went by the school, uh, uh, the one we're looking at. My wife went by with the whole family on Friday. 
And we've taken several, I mean, we're at almost a week now. We're delaying with them. Can you please hang on a couple more days? You know, I mean, what are we doing? We're making sure that God's involved in this decision because he's the guide who guides us into all truth. I can't just make this decision and then, see, what, what, what we do too often is we make a decision and then we want God to fix it. Say amen. amen. Now notice this in verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Uh, verse 14. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Do you see this? That's Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about his heavenly Father. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. And then in verse 16, it says, A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. He was preparing them, I'm going to die, I'm going to come back from the dead, then I'm going to go, and when I do, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and it's going to make a difference in your life. If you'll use it, he's a guide who will guide you. He will guide you where you need to go. He cannot lie because he's me, and what I have is the Father's, and what is the Father's is mine, and what I have, he's not going to tell you anything different than what I told you. He's not going to be any different than what I am. If you've seen me, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and the Holy Spirit is one with us, and what we say, he says. So we have to recognize the value of the guide on the inside. Then I want to couple that thought with to, to an additional thought for today. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy. Because as I was preparing for this, the Lord dropped this in my heart. Actually, before you go there, I want to I I add one more, one more precursor to this. In learning how to be led by the Spirit, there are a couple things you have to know. Right? You, you need to know uh, where God speaks. We've covered that. God speaks to our spirit. If you, if you want to learn more about that, go back to part one, part two, the last two weeks. Um, what would that be? August 21st, August 28th. Go watch those services. Um, Pastor Steve did some good teaching in Florence on that as well. Uh, go and listen to these. It'll help you understand God speaks to your spirit. Right? If something happens outside in the natural, let's say you have, um, you know, you feel like God spoke to you through nature, or God spoke to you. People say these kinds of things, and, and God spoke to you through this situation, or somebody said something. Well, what's happening is, or what should be happening, is that something happened on the outside, but in your spirit, God registered with you and spoke to you and said, hey, here, here's, here's, you know, and, and leading you by your spirit. So you need to know where God speaks. We've covered that. You need to know how God speaks. We're continuing to cover that. I'm continuing to give you uh, um, nuggets and, and, and verses in Scripture to support that throughout every, every one of these sermons. But you also need to know who God is, and you need to know who you are. Because in order for you, this is just my belief, ready? In order for you to truly be led into all truth, you have to have a, a, an understanding of truth in, in, your, in, your, in your mind. Like, like, the Holy Spirit will download things into you, but he also gave us his word, and I, that's where I need to start. God's not going to lead me past his word. He's not going to lead me beyond his word. 
Everything, every piece of revelation that I've gained in life lines up with Scripture. I could give you Scripture to support it. If God were to lead me, you know, even this situation with, with, with our son, Joshua, I have Scripture to support what I'm believing for, what I'm asking God for. I'm not just randomly going through life without a base. I have Scripture. I have support. I know who God is based on his word. I need to know who God is, and I need to know who, who I am. Or you could say it this way, I need to know who I am in Christ. I need to know who I am in Christ. I need to know who he is. Well, who is God? Hebrews eleven six 6 tells us that we, we, in order to live by faith, that we need to come to him in faith. We need to know that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Notice this in Jeremiah 29, 11. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified. It says this, for I know, this is God speaking, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you. Everybody say thoughts and plans. Anybody that tells you God's not thinking about you, God doesn't care about you, that you're a little piece of nothing and you're a little piece of dust on this earth, God, that is not true. And you cannot go through life expecting to be led by the Spirit and think contradictory to this central truth. God is thinking about you and God has plans for you. He says, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil. Everybody say not for evil. Anybody who tells you or if you were to somehow think or, or, or the devil somehow convince you that some evil thing that happened in your life was a plan of God, this verse completely contradicts that. And I've already tried to tell you and I'm going to say it once more. God can't contradict himself. God can't lie to himself. The Bible says he is not a man that he should lie. When he says something, it's truth. If he said, I'm for you and not against you, then he's for you and not against you. Period. That means that you can literally wake up every day asking God for something in your life, like a daycare for your, or, or a childcare or preschool for your son, and know that if God leads you to do this one or to go to that one or don't go to this one, that is, you know what, this is not the one for you. You know, in, in, the, in the natural, like I'm talking about just me as Pastor JT, I'm ready to go all day without any kids. I'm as ready as I've ever been, baby. I'm just telling you, I am ready. I'm ready. But I know the importance of where we put our kids and the value of that, so I'm not going to rush past that decision without God. And I'd rather have him longer or whatever we have to do and delay that decision to make sure it's the right one. And I have a, a, a statement that I've got from my pastor who got it from his pastor, which is all based on scripture. If you don't know, don't go. If you don't know, don't go. Pastor preached a whole sermon last week. Pastor Steve, my pastor, he's in Family Worship Center in Florence, if you don't know. He, he preached a whole sermon last week on peace. Man, that's a great sermon. I've listened to it a couple of times. Great sermon. We follow after peace. If I don't have peace, we're not, we're, not putting, we're not enrolling Josh. I'm not paying the money. I'm not putting him in there. If I don't have peace, if I don't have clarity, when, they, when the time comes, they gave us till Tuesday or whatever. If we don't have clarity, no go. And guess what? I don't have to feel like, oh, God let me down. Oh, God didn't help me out. God didn't, God didn't care enough about me. No, God actually cares enough about me to not let me put my child in the wrong place. 
And, I, and, and by the way, everybody, when I tell these kinds of stories, everybody wants to ask, you know, where it is. I'm not going to tell you. Because it, it's not that it's a bad place. There's nothing wrong with it. They're all DHEC certified, great curriculum, great teachers, great directors. Everything was great. It just may be not the best for Josh or not the best for our family. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to tell you because <laughs> you might think that it's a sign from the Lord. Not to, it may be great for your kids. I'm not, and it may be great. It's, you know, I have nothing. It's actually based out of a church and stuff. It's, it's everything by the natural looks good. I'm just saying we're making a spirit-led decision about whether to put him there or not. Everybody say amen. amen. So don't come and ask me. Don't ask my wife. Don't try to pump us for information. We're not going to tell you. <laughs> and not to be secretive, but really because, because I'm using this as an analogy and I don't want you to think, oh, well, then I'm not going to put my kid there. Well, maybe you should. Pray about it. Just for us, and it may, Tuesday may come, and hey, boop, 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 go have fun, Josh. Or, if we don't have peace, we're not going to do it. If we don't have an answer, we're not going to do it. If we don't have a green light on, on the inside, we're not going to do it. My point to you is to say, I can have confidence that if God's going to lead us in either direction, It's good. It's good. It's good. Because that's who God is. He's good. Let's finish reading this. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil. To give you hope in your final outcome. Hey, can you do me a favor since you're just like killing it back there on the computer? He's like a one-man show back there right now. Y'all give it up for Jamal. He's just killing it back there. Hey, can you flip over to New King James? Is that possible? I'll give you a second to do it. I want to read from New King James just to, just to kind of couple this together. So that was amplified. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace. There it is again. Everybody say peace. peace. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. The reason I like the amplified is because in this translation, it just says thoughts. But that word, the original uh, um, Hebrew word for thoughts there encompasses not just thoughts, but also plans. And the Amplified says that. It actually uses both. I have thoughts and I have plans. God has thoughts and he has plans. You need to ask him. You need to find out what they are. You need to discover. You need to take the time. Don't rush into decisions. And I'm not talking about every, you know, like whether I put on black shoes or white shoes today. I think God's pretty happy with just put some shoes on your feet and go to work. But, but, but I mean, when you're, when you're talking about career decisions and life decisions have you asked, have you asked him, but, but I, I say this a lot, so that's not a strange question if you come here, but my thought today to add to that is this, if God's directed you against the result that you wanted in the natural, have you realized that it's good, that it's for a future and a hope that's good, that it's, that it's for peace and not for evil? Look, look at this. In Hebrews 8, 6, I'm going to also read this out of two different translations because this just is, is really good. Hebrews 8, 6, but now he, this is talking about Jesus, Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant. Everybody say better covenant. Of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Now, Jamal, if you'll do me a favor back there and get ready to put it up and amplify, but don't put it up yet until, until I break this down. This is talking about the covenant that we have with God 
and, and that when Jesus died, he actually gave us, everybody say this, say better covenant. It's a better covenant on better promises. And so, so the, this covenant is not just a, a, a um, well, let me, let me break it down like this. Before, before Jesus came, they had priests and kings. And if you wanted to be led by the spirit, you had to go through the priest or the prophet or through someone who had the, uh, um, uh, uh, the anointing of God on their life. And there were only certain individuals. And so you had to go through them. But we have a better covenant now on better promises. Look at this in the Amplified. You got it? Let's put it up there. In the Amplified, it says this. But as it is now, he, Jesus Christ, has acquired a priestly ministry. Here's what literally happened. I need y'all to understand this because why, why is God leading me the way he's leading me? Why did he, why did he send us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit live inside of us? Why did he die the way he died? Because in dying the way he died and bleeding the way he bled and raising from the dead, he prepared our bodies to have a new spirit that the Holy Spirit could reside in. And before that moment, it was impossible. In doing that, he became our high priest. Everybody say high priest. So they had high priests. That's who would go, that was who would, who would do all the hearing from God and distribute all that information down to the people. That's how it worked. But now Jesus is the high priest. He died for us. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And now he gave us the Holy Spirit. And he's speaking. You, I read you the scripture. How does he speak? Through the Spirit, Spirit to Spirit. And where does it come? On the inside. On the inside, Proverbs, uh, um, uh, what was it we read uh, last week? Don't, don't stay there up there on the screens. Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man is the lamp or candle or flashlight of the Lord, searching all the inner depths or inner parts of our hearts. Your inner parts, the inner, the inner part of you. So listen to this, listen to this. He has a priestly ministry which is as much superior and more excellent. I love how this is written. So good. Than what we had before. As the covenant or the agreement of which he is the mediator. So he's in between us and God. He's the mediator or the uh, arbiter, the agent. Is superior and more excellent. Again, it says it. Because it is enacted and rests upon more important, higher and nobler promises. The relationship that you and I have with God via the Holy Spirit is better than what they had in the Old Testament. That's why when you hear about like, like Gideon who put out a fleece, you can take that verse down. What's a fleece? A fleece is when, when you say, okay, if, if, if I paint this picture and it turns orange, then I'm supposed to, you know, go to Kroger today. I mean, I, that's kind of silly, but, but I'm not trying to, to be silly because people do, do fleeces all the time. As a matter of fact, uh, it it's, 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 seems to be more popular in charismatic or Pentecostal circles, and I'm not really sure why, because those are the same circles that talk and teach on the value and the power of the Holy Spirit. But they'll, they'll say, okay, well, if, if I go outside and the temperature drops below 65 today, then God wants me to move down south. And they'll do stuff like this. 
Well, we live in a world where the temperatures change, y'all. Like, they change. You can't go by temperatures. You can't go by stuff like that. Why did Gideon do that? Now, I don't have time to read the story and all that. But if you, if you go and read what he, what he did and how God dealt with him, how God spoke with him, later Gideon was anointed and God's spirit came upon him to give him direction and power to do what he was called to do. At the moment that, God, that he was fleecing God, in other words, he was saying, God, if you want me to do this, and he put out a fleece and he was, and he was doing that, he had no other choice. He, he literally did not have, as we just read, a better covenant. That, that's why when you go to be led by the Spirit, you, you can't go the same, you can't do those kinds of things. It's not going to be effective. It's not going to be effective. I mean, even when we, we, we see these other examples in the Bible of stuff like that, it's because they didn't know any better. They didn't know any better. When Paul, in the book of Acts, was go, they were about to take him on a, um, on a ship what happened? The, uh, he said, I perceive this will be bad. Well, he ended up being shipwrecked. What did he mean, I perceive? So, what we talked about week one on August 21st. We talked about the inward witness. That green light on the inside or that red light. Romans 8 tells us that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. He, he witnesses to us. Hey, don't do that. But you also have... Now check this out. You have a voice on the inside. How many of y'all have ever, growing up, you heard somebody talk about your conscience? Conscience? Yeah, anybody? Um, there's a, a, a new Pinocchio coming out, I heard. And what's that, what happens in Pinocchio? The little conscience, the little cricket comes out, right? And, and, and he's the conscience for, for Pinocchio or whatever. I actually don't really know much about the Pinocchio story other than there's a wooden guy who turns into a boy, and he wants to be a real boy, and there's a cricket. That's about all I know. So I'm not... <laughs> I'm not uh, endorsing the new movie, okay? I have no idea. I don't even know if it's a movie or a show. I, have no, I just saw it the other day, and I saw the cricket on the trailer. And so I thought, oh, well, that's kind of what we're talking about, the conscience. Okay, your conscience is the voice of your spirit. We, we could say it this way, just to help you. This will really help you. Ready? With my body, with my flesh, I contact the physical realm. With my soul, my mind, my will and emotions, I contact the intellectual realm. Are you with me today? With my body, I contact the physical realm. With my soul, I contact the intellectual realm. With my spirit, I contact the spiritual realm. And far too often, we're focused on, on the outside things. You know, when, well, can I trust my conscience? Well, if you have been saved and born again, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, all things have passed away, old things have passed away, all things have become new, that you're a new creature in Christ. Well, what's new? Your spirit. So yes, you can trust the guide on the inside. Where does the Holy Spirit reside? On the inside. Can I listen to that? Yes, you can. Like, let's go back to my story with Joshua. I, in the natural, what do I want to do? I want to have, I mean, hey, go, buddy, go, 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 go. Hey, I'll pick you up at three. I'll see you in a little bit, right? That's what I want to do. But in my spirit, so, so if I were to feel led, or my wife and I were to feel led not to do that, do I really think that that's something else telling me not to? Do you see what I'm saying? That would, that would have to, in the natural, I want to do it. In the natural, it looks good. I told you the school looked good, smelled good, it was clean, DHEC, safety, uh, uh, curriculum, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It would have to be God leading me not to do it. Can you say amen? I hope, am I helping you today? Is this helping you? All right. 
then let me break this down to you. This is the, the, the main point I'm going to leave you with. Here you go. You ready? So we talked about where does God speak, right? How God speaks. We're talking about those things. We talked about who God is. He's a rewarder. He's a, 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 a thinking of you. He's planning for you. Now I want to end on this, who you are. Because I think that if you are so inconfident of who you are in Christ, it'll hinder your ability to hear from God. Because you'll talk yourself out of things that you think God's trying to do through you or in you. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses, I'm going to start in verse 6. I'm going to start in verse 6. It says, Therefore I remind you, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul is writing to Timothy. This is the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul is encouraging him, hey, I, I, I laid my hands on you. I ordained you. If you were to read this in the uh, Amplified, it will actually explain that. Uh, the laying on of hands at your ordination. He ordained him. What did he do? He, he imparted into him. One, this is one of the scriptures that support the laying on of hands. So he says, I did that. Now, the gifts in you, it's your job. Everybody point at yourself and say, it's my job. It's your job to stir up the gift that's in you. It's your job to stir up the gift that's in you. And then he goes on in verse 7. Notice this. He says, for God has not given us. Now, Paul, writing this to Timothy, but this is not exclusive to them. And we know that because several times in Scripture, we're told that God is no respecter of persons. He does not love Paul and Timothy more than he loves you. He does not have special promises for them. What do we read in Hebrews 8? I have a better covenant on better promises. I have it. You have it. Everybody say, I've got it. You've got it. He's got it. She's got it. You've got it. You've got it. Online, you've got it. You have a better covenant on better promises. And so he says here, God has not given us. You can say, that's me. You can put me right there. God has not given me a spirit of fear. I'm not going to be afraid of anything as I go through life other than God. I'm not going to be afraid of, of, of make, if I'm being spirit led, I don't have to be afraid about making decisions. I mean, really, I think most of the time we're afraid. We don't even want to pray because we're afraid of what, why would God lead you wrong? How in the last three weeks have I given you anything to indicate that God would lead you into something bad or harmful? He's good, y'all. He's good. And he's going to lead you to good. He's going to lead you to something great. He's going to lead you to something better. He's going to lead you up and not down. He's going to lead you through and over. He's going to help you get where you need to go. And you can have confidence in I've got a good God who's for me. He's not giving me a spirit of fear. I'm not going to be afraid. But notice this. What did he give us? A spirit of power and of love. And of a sound mind. Look at this in Amplified. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear. Wow. That's what I don't have. So when I'm, let me ask you this. When you're fearful, where does it come from? 
I'm going to just let that sit there for a second. Because we think, you know, no, fear, fear is not of God. Faith is of God. So I, I, have to, I have to, part of being led by the Spirit is discerning fear from faith. Is Hold on a second, I, I'm, I'm actually operating in fear here. I'm afraid or nervous or fawning or craving or cowardice. I'm cringing. I, I'm, not, I'm not flowing and I need to go back. You know how to get rid of fear? You know how to get rid of fear? Confess and read scriptures over you that talk about who you are and what you're promised and watch the fear dissipate. That's how you know it's of the devil. Because when you put faith in yourself, the fear goes. And faith comes by hearing the word. So what did he give us? Notice, I love how this is written. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love. Now notice how he describes self-control. Because most translations, uh, or excuse me, they say sound mind. Notice how, he, notice how the Amplified describes sound mind. You ready? We're almost done. Y'all stick with me. Sound mind. A calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. I have a spirit of love, of power, and of a well-balanced, calm, disciplined, and self-controlled mind. In order to be led by the Spirit, you're going to have to tap in to self-control. If, if I, I'm using this example today because it's, it's happening right now in our life, but it's also really, this fits all in. If I'd had my way on Friday, we would have signed the paperwork there. I would have, I would have, I would have just rushed right into it. But self-control says, no, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to wait. Have you prayed? Well, no, not really. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I talked to God about it the other night. I kind of, you know, Lord, I'm trusting. I'm, literally, my prayer up till before Friday was, Lord, I'm trusting you in this, and I thank you for your help. Now, nothing wrong with that prayer, but have I, I, I mean, I preached for two weeks about giving time for God to speak to you. And then in my spirit, I'm like, well, have you done that? No. Okay, well, you know what? We're not signing any paperwork today. Plus, I wanted my wife to think about it, and she had just walked in, you know. So, so there's wisdom there, and there's also self-control. Self-control. Balanced mind. Discipline. You've got to tap into some discipline. Ask God to help you with, you know what, God? I need your help with these things in my life. Can you say amen? I have, God gave me this spirit. I have it within me. Notice power. Where does power come from? In Acts, it says that Jesus told them to wait on the Holy Spirit. When you get the Holy Spirit, you'll be endued with power. Then he said he corrected the Sadducees and the Pharisees about love. And he said they were asking him, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, if you love your God with all your heart and all your mind, and the second is the same, love your neighbor as yourself, it'll fulfill all of the commandments. Well, they didn't like that, but it's true. If you have the love of God, just read through, read through the New Testament and read what the love of God is and what it does. Love, the love of God is, is the epitome of, if you're going to be led by the Spirit, it should be in love. God's not going to lead you to do something out of hate, out of malice, out of spite. 
out of anger. He's not going to lead you to do that. So I can be confident. Number one, I, I, I have power to do what God's leading me to do. I have love to overcome what God's called me to do. Then I have self-discipline to do it. What I want to tell you today is you, you, you already have these things. You already have these things. I, I, as God put that on my heart last night, that was like, that was like the, the icing on the cake. To the, to the sermon was, was tell them they already have the discipline in them if they'll tap into it. You already have the discipline in you. I mean, it's up to you. You, you don't have to be self-disciplined. You can give into your flesh. You can make emotional, rash, you know, unclear decisions. You, you, can, you can do that. Yeah, sure, you can do that. Or, or, God, you've given me a spirit of love and power and self-discipline and a well-balanced mind. And I'm going to be calm. And I'm going to be led by your spirit who guides me into all truth. It doesn't lead me astray, doesn't lead me into trouble, doesn't lead me into calamity, doesn't lead me into problems. That's, 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 what, I'm, that's what I'm gonna do. That's what I'm gonna work on starting today. God's, God's, not, gonna, God's not gonna lead you into trouble. God's not gonna lead you into, and you know what? Brother Darrell, if you'll come up, I'm gonna close. You know what? When you... When you begin trying to, to live a spirit-led life, I understand it takes, you, you might want to gain some confidence before you make a bigger decision. That's why that message, and I, I you know, the message that Pastor preached and that we've talked about following after peace, you know, when, when you learn to be a follower of peace, and you learn to, to look for that, to wait for that, to be self-disciplined enough to wait for the peace. When you learn to do that, it, it takes practice. Y'all remember when I said the other week that my batting average is getting better every day? You know, you actually have to go to bat. You, you have to go to bat. You, your batting average, if you're a batter, using baseball for a second, if you don't know much about baseball, what happens is if you go up to bat and you strike out, your batting average goes down. If you hit, if you get a base hit, it goes up. If you get a double, it goes up, right? If you get a home run, it goes up. And, and in order for your, your batting average to get better, in other words, in this analogy, in order for me to get better at being led by the Spirit and hearing from God and getting God's direction in my life, I actually have to try. I have to go to bat. I have to get my bat, I have to get out of the dugout, I have to go and I have to face the pitcher. And guess what, I might strike out. I might, I might strike out, I might miss it. There have been, there have been plenty of times in my life, I don't have a perfect batting average, there have been plenty of times in my life where I've missed God. But I'm not standing still. And you cannot steer a parked car. You can't leave your car in the driveway. It's maybe, maybe you do make a mistake. But you know what? If you make a mistake, endeavoring to be led by the Spirit, I believe wholeheartedly God will keep you through it. And, and you know what? 
What does Romans 8 say? He'll work all things for the good. So he'll take that situation and he'll help you learn and you'll actually get better at learning to be led by the Spirit. But that's why I tell you to start trying now. Start trying with smaller decisions. Start believing God for something, you know, maybe smaller in your life so it's not like a, a big career decision or a dating decision or a getting married decision that you're all of a sudden, oh, I need God to help me and I don't even know what is, I don't even know what God sounds like and how do I be led by the Spirit? And you're trying to cram and read books and read the Bible and you're, and you're like listening to my sermons all the time. I mean, that's good and God will help you, but start now before you get to those big decisions. Live a spirit-led life every day, every week, every month. And then when that big problem comes, okay, yeah, maybe I need to fast a little bit extra or do a little bit extra prayer time and just make sure, but I'm already familiar with God's voice. I'm already familiar with what it means to be led by my spirit and have God speak to my spirit. Can you say amen? I know this has helped you today. I know it has, and I'm grateful that we're going to have a church that's led by the Spirit, that, that trusts God, that, that, that's following after peace. Amen? Amen? If you got something out of this today, shout out, hallelujah! I want to pray over you. Happy Labor Day. I hope you guys have fun. I hope, I hope you got tomorrow off or have some time or whatever to spend with your family and all that. Enjoy it. And uh, we will still have Tuesday night youth, Wednesday night church, and be back next Sunday. And I'm excited for it. It's going to be a great week. Enjoy your time. Be safe. If you need prayer, if you'd like to make things right with God today, rededicate your life, recommit your life, write us online and we'll connect with you. And uh, if you're here in person, I'll pray with you right now at the front. Amen. I'm going to pray and dismiss over you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that's in this room. Bless them. Keep them safe. Watch over them. Protect them. God, let them be the head and not the tail, over and not under, everywhere they go and everything that they do. God, I thank you for it. We receive it by faith. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless.